Hello and welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I will be your host. Today, my co-host, Josh Reed, and I, we sit down and we talk about supplements. And the supplement world, it's full of marketing and fake promises, or I guess you could call those lies. And plus the endurance sports and obstacle course racing in particular, they're really the target of these companies and these supplements. So the information, it's a little confusing, but there are some supplements that can help you get the most out of your results and others that just are going to be a complete waste of your time. So we talk about a few things, including beta alanine and creatine and the pros and cons of both of those. We talk about the value add of certain vitamins like vitamin D and C. And then we talk about protein powder and, and kind of clear up some confusion around that so that you know when to use it, what it actually is going to do and what to expect from the products that you're taking in. So there's a lot of good takeaways here and we get right into the goods. But before we get into those goods, I did want to put this on your radar that as the season winds down, quote unquote season for 2020 here at reinforced running josh and i we both specialize in one-on-one coaching and we believe it is the best method to optimize your coaching experience and as well as getting the best possible results so josh and i we both opened up a few early bird coaching spots for 2021 season and it will be closing at the end of next week so if you want to really get great at endurance sports you need to be consistent over the long term and as the off season rolls in we want to make sure that you have a good plan And uh, the help of a coach will really help you put that in place so that when 2021 rolls around, you're ready, you're confident, it's going to be the best year that you can get out of yourself. So to learn more about that, hit the link in the show notes or shoot us a direct message on Instagram and let us know some of your goals for 2021 and we can see if we can help. Okay, here's my guy. His name is Josh Reed. So Josh, is there anything you take every single day? Do you have have like a supplement like regimen or anything? Yeah, dog. I'm on that. I'm, I'm cruising with them. Amino acids and that creatine, little Hooperzine A, the Hypersia serrata. It's like from this little fern plant. And uh, vitamin D, now that it's getting shorter days out, it's just been like there's no rain or there's no sun. It's been like rainy. And like the occasional mushrooms, cord- hmm. cordyceps. I was doing I was doing like a complex, like the Stamet 7, which has – well, seven different mushrooms in it, but I can't identify which one of them isn't totally agreeing with my stomach. Mm. The cordyceps alone, awesome. I feel great, like noticeable. But yeah, the other ones, not too sure. Maybe it's, maybe it's the reishi. I don't know. Maybe. I got to take that out and see. That's the problem with those type of blends. You're not really sure. And like with a lot of these these things, you're probably not going to get too much of an acute feeling. But when it's all blended together, if something is not right or something is right, it's hard to know what's what. I know you got to do like the elimination diet, but just with mushrooms there. Just a whole mushroom. Yeah. (laughs) Taking it down. So today we are going to talk about supplementation for the endurance athlete and how it could help you, the endurance athlete, potentially get better. We want to talk about some things that we like, some things that are proven to actually work and want to kind of give you an idea of what to steer away from. I mean, I get asked about supplements like relatively often and it seems to be more along the lines of what can I do that can help my performance that is not that is like not going to add too much time that is outside of the area of like actual training and usually my first response to this like like i don't typically find that much interest in this i've taken a lot of supplements and i've done a lot of research on them over the years but in general i feel like supplements are are just that it should be like the icing on the cake and if you don't have everything else in line then it's it's really going to be more kind of a waste if you if you are if you don't if your sleep is poor if your nutrition is bad and if your training is inconsistent so i just wanted to put that in here as a caveat because a lot of times i kind of feel like when people ask me about supplementation i'm just kind of like nah just 
don't really do it. What do you, what are your, what is your general take? <laughs> Word cotton. Yeah, man, you got to hit all those all, you can't like take the shortcut. You know, there's a, there's a great book by Ed Vesters called no shortcuts to the top. It's about mountaineering, but it's like, you can extrapolate that for life. It's like, yeah, yeah. you can like, when I used to listen to a lot of Ben Greenfield, I'm like, Oh man, this supplement he's talking about. And then this one, and then this one, next thing you know, your shopping carts like $875. Like that's ridiculous. What am I, what else can I do? It's like, yeah, just like eat some quality food, sleep. Let's take care of that. Get some blood work, see where I'm missing out. It's like, all right, then we'll tackle where it seems I'm really lacking. Right. And like people like Ben Greenfield, they are popular and they, he, he does all the things, right? He lives it. He probably does have all the other things checked off and he's made his way to the point where it's like, all right, now it's time to optimize uh, and ultimately he's turned himself into a marketer. And that's what most of that's what most companies are. They're marketing companies. They speak in the language that you are thinking, like, how can I get ripped? How can I like reduce fatigue? How can I reduce muscle soreness? Get shredded. How can I get shredded? That it's all just really focused marketing. And, and that's a, a, a big thing with the supplements that end up being kind of confusing. Dude, that's a tough one too. Cause you go to read an article and you're like, Oh, this is all great stuff. And then you go down to the bottom and it's, like purchase this supplement that we were just talking about from the company that the article is buying. Like, oh, that's not biased at all. Totally. And they'll, they'll they'll fund research and things like that and have it skewed to have have the results show what they had intended it to show or or take it out of context and just have things that, that look kind of good. And it, it's really gets pretty gray and fuzzy. So for the most part, don't trust anything, but there are a lot of things out there now. And there's ways to kind of extrapolate some of the information that is available and, and really take the different ingredients that might work and implement them into your your day-to-day, into your, your routine so that you are getting the benefits from some of the things and not necessarily paying for like this blend of stuff and like this proprietary XYZ that with all these little things added together can potentially have this great result, but it also costs an astronomical amount. There are some things that work that you can buy alone and they can help you. You don't necessarily need to buy the thing from, you know, Nitrix or whatever the company is, the MedRx type of things like and they're there that's what the point what's what we're really hoping to do with this episode is give you some clarity on like what it is that is working and what what might not be and what what kind of thing you can avoid with that because some of the stuff does work so i don't want to paint it as a as a broad brush and so we want to go through a couple of different supplements today some of them that you may have already taken some of them simple as some some regular vitamins and we want to touch on even something like protein powder which as straightforward as it should be, is also kind of convoluted and, and kind of hard to navigate. So we really want to kind of like dive into things on that respect. Josh, do you remember the first like supplement you've taken? Uh, it was probably, I think I was watching like Ultimate Fighting Challenge when it was on Spike TV. Oh, I think I was like in high school and I they had a, oh shit, what was it? What was it called? It was this blue container? It was the, the company sponsored the show, but it was pretty much just uh, like creatine, some nitric oxide booster, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And shit, lo- oh, like shit loads of caffeine for sure. And here I am, like 14 years old in my basement, pumping iron, just feeling super jacked and jazzed. Like, I'm the next fighter. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, like this is, this works amazing. But really, they just jacked up a bunch of caffeine. And caffeine works and, and <laughs> helps, but all that other stuff 
and all the other marketing behind it is not necessarily appropriate. So, dude, but talking about like what what helps, what works, and what helps, I want to know what you took for your your PR ten miler last mm. week. Yeah, so I did get some beat elite in me. Mm. That was good, and some cordyceps. We mentioned cordyceps as well, and just coffee, man, coffee always. That's like. I like racing, but I like drinking coffee on race morning almost more than I actually like racing. That's like my favorite thing is to get all. Do jacked you like? Up. Do you hold it with two hands and like keep it close to your chin as you like feel the warmth of the steam rising up your face? I'm usually all jacked up and I'm like taking sips and I'm like walking <laughs> around, going crazy, taking another sip and then walking around, pacing it and just like getting more and more amped up as as I go. So yeah, I was pretty jacked up for that. So we're ready. We're ready to run fast. Yeah, clearly, man. But uh, but there are some things that like the the pre workout piece that you had mentioned was is kind of a good place to start. And I do want to take an ingredient that a lot of us have probably taken through pre workout because the pre workout is something that I feel like is an introduction to supplements a lot of time. That and protein powder, it's the gateway supplement. It, it it really is, and then and then you figure out what's what. I, know, I remember I was taking Jack 3D oh, that shit. original original formula before it got like banned, like it started like, <laughs> killing people. Man, I loved it. I thought it was the best. And that was another thing. Like again, I didn't necessarily think I even cared about working out. I just wanted to take that pre-workout and then like get all crazy. But but in most pre-workout supplements, there's going to be a ingredient called beta alanine. And beta alanine is a product that has now been studied by independent scientists, not just these nutrition product companies. And there's some pretty compelling evidence behind it being an like behind it really helping your endurance performance. So what it does, it can improve the lactic buffering and it helps the anaerobic performance in your body. So it can really improve your workload and then you know in turn improve your long-term performance. So there is a, a buffering agent in that that can be produced in our body called kerosene, and that does buffer lactic acid and lactic acid is that mixture of uh, lactate and uh, hydrogen in, in your bloodstream. So that's like when you're going real hard and you feel that burn, that's lactic acid, right? So if we could eliminate that, or if we could, that we could take, have that take longer to set in and make us tired. So we have to stop like that would be great, but kerosene itself isn't a supplement and it's actually combined be- between using and, and beta alanine, but Beta alanine is the product that we will run out of first. So if we dose ourselves with beta alanine, it'll give us more of it so that it can create, it can mix with this histidine and then create more kerosene, have it be more available to us. Sweet. So you're preloading that. You're exactly. So you're preloading that just so it doesn't run out. So that's kind of how it works with that. You are able to dose that consistently so that you can have it on call when it's time during workout. So it's one of these things you can take pretty much every single day. There's not like, it's not necessarily acute in its performance, but it will uh, ultimately help buffer that lactic acid if you, if it is available to you at the time. That's super interesting. So do you, to what extent do you know how that uh, actually works? So how it buffers out the. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How it like works with the lactate and the acidity or. 
I'm I'm actually not sure. It, I'm sure it just is something as it balances the pH more. I would imagine where the acidity comes in, it's probably a little bit more basic and just doesn't allow to have that burning sensation with mm-hmm. the amount of kerosene that you have in your uh, your system. And I'm sure there's a lot of levels that we can go further down that would really kind of explain oh, that. And that's true but, of all of them. Yeah, it's like it's true the ladder yeah. doesn't stop. It's like oh well, it does this and it interacts with this through this sort of yeah interaction and chemically here and right myriad and really like the thing that is most important to me is figuring out like how this works in terms of performance right like there's been tons of studies that have shown that that does improve this kerosene in the system and it works broadly and uh, apparently there's something with creatine where there's high responders and, and low responders but with the kerosene and with the beta alanine supplementation, it works for everybody. So you're going to have more of this in your system. And there's been a couple of studies that actually have been done and then repeated. There's one that was done with um, cyclists getting to about 110% of their max power. So that when you get above that like max power, that's where you're really going to get that uh, lactic type of response and you're going to feel that burn really quick and there has been shown to be improved by like 11 and 12 percent in two different studies so it shows that it can actually work in terms of the performance where people lasting a little bit longer but with that if you're working at that high work rate you're really only going to be able to work between like 60 seconds and like four minutes so that's really where the 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 limits of this in terms of helping your endurance is going to be. So it's still on that very high output side of things. This is, this, that's a very uh, interesting thing to think about though, uh, because when I think about this with other supplements as well. They might be most beneficial operating at a higher, when you're high, operating at a higher bandwidth, say, say that it's mostly shown to be beneficial working at 110% power output, FTP, whatever, between 60 seconds and like two or three minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what about the, what if you have to surge in the middle of a race or pass someone at the end, you're going into that upper zone. So it does play a role in endurance. If it's not necessarily low steady state, if like in our sport, you go up and down hills, you try to out sprint somebody. I think that that stuff is absolutely beneficial in these quote unquote endurance events. Right. And for endurance events uh, from a traditional standpoint, from like, say like running in general, even like a 10 mile race that I just ran when I was finishing the last two miles, my, I was so exhausted that it wasn't lactic takeover that was stopping me. It was just complete muscle fatigue. It was not a burning sensation. It wasn't something that needed to be buffered. It was just overall, like almost muscle failure which is not the same as lactic takeover. I, I hear you. That's something that I actually want to do more research on in the future because that's where things get really interesting. It's like what actually stops us if it's not lactate, if it's not uh, glycogen depletion, then it gets down to things that are you're talking about like electron, like tra- what's happening electronically between the brain and the muscle and signaling being dampened. Right. And that, that, seemed, that was what I was feeling at the end of the 10 mile run. And that's what people would feel at most of the time at the end of a half marathon or marathon. So a lot of times when people hear, oh, 60 seconds to four minutes, that's not necessarily in that endurance realm. But for obstacle course racing, like I've definitely felt some some lactic takeover going up a, a mountain, right? Or going through a hard event or an, a, 
a Spartan or I'm sorry, a sprint type of event or a stadium or like a DecaFit thing. There's definitely a piece in that where I'm starting to feel some of that lactic takeover. And it would help to have that on scene just so it's there and can help buffer that. And for something like OCR Stars, which is coming up, which has a mile in it, which should be, you know, right around that four to five minutes. And that back end, you won't be lactic right away. That last half mile, you probably will be. So having something like this on him would be pretty helpful for that. Yeah, it sounds so. And it's, let's see. So I'm, I'm curious about as far as how it like feels, is it really noticeable to, to feel when you take it like something like niacin where you feel like that flush feeling, you know, or caffeine, you get, the, you get the jitters. Do you feel anything like that with this? So yes. And this is why this is <laughs> a little confusing because it's, it is something that you dose consistently and it kind of builds it into your system, but there is a, a very noticeable, acute feeling to this and it's it's that paresthesia which is that tingly like so when you take your pre-workout and your face starts to tingle that's beta alanine and so like you can take it in the morning like i've been taking it in the morning just like drinking water and then i'm like tingling just sitting there like reading (laughs) and i'm like (laughs) i feel like i need to get up and do something it's not necessarily a stimulant but like you will have that like tingling sensation throughout like your hands and arms and like it just kind of creates that all over the place so like yeah you kind of know you're taking it which is a little strange and if you aren't ready for that you're going to be like oh what the fuck's going on right now i might freak out right now but it is just it's just it's working and and, take it with um, cbd yeah see if you can (laughs) counteract that's right uppers downers keep your right in the middle you know what I'm talking about, though, those tinglies, right? Oh, 100%. Dude, I think there's one of my favorite memes when it comes to, like, gym memes. It's uh, it's Vin Diesel when he's in the Dodge Charger, like, in the last scene. He's shifting through the gears. And it's, like, when the pre-work kicks it in on the way to the gym. And <laughs> just like, oh, yeah. God. Right. And that's what, with pre-workouts, they'll have beta alanine in it. And will be with like 300 milligrams of caffeine. So Word. you are feeling tingly and you're feeling jacked up. So it feels like it's own, it feels like its own thing. It feels like a pre-workout feeling, but it's just, it's just caffeine mixed with beta alanine. So you're getting the boost from the caffeine and you're getting the tingles from the beta alanine, which you can get independently. But when you put it in that pre-workout, you're like, oh God, something crazy is about to happen. Well, really it's, they're just natural. They're just things you can get on its own. It's nothing to do with the pre-workout really. <laughs> so would you say though, that the, uh, the effect of the beta alanine is stimulating and that you should do it in the morning? I like it. I think, I think it would be more appropriate to take right before you work out. Mm-hmm. Just so it, again, anything that can kind of help you feel a certain way before getting into a workout, you know, it can kind of give you the that feeling of getting ready and, and geared up to to do something i think would probably be better than taking it right in the morning i like it in the morning i like feeling like up and having those 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 tinglies but like i'll work i'll take it at like 6 30 and won't work out till like 11 a.m but it's i'm still going to get the same effect i just won't feel that tingly sensation be while walking into the gym which like i don't need but if so that that's it can be recommended just take before just because you don't want to be like sitting around and having these these weird these weird tingly things <laughs> happening. Gotcha. So yeah, so it's just like anything like it comes with so beta alanine. Like I said, it's in a lot of pre workouts, but you can also take it alone. It, it's not offered alone very often. So the brands 
they're they're fairly limited, but the ingredients will just be beta alanine on it and it shouldn't have anything else in it. Actually, if those of us are, are into Enduro Elite, Performer Elite does have some beta alanine in it. So you might be familiar with that. I don't know how much, but usually the dosage is about two to five grams. You could take that repeatedly so that you, you are getting the consistent effects of it. Nice. And it is it is also nice to know what is actually giving you like eliciting a certain effect. So being able to take it on its own, feeling that like you'd like to take performally, but get the one without the caffeine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm doing because I, I feel like a lot of times these uh, pre-workouts or these before like people just like caffeine and that's the most clear signal that something is happening is some sort of stimulant. So if you remove that and you can see like if and you can really see what's helping the actual performance and the performance doesn't change. Or if your excitement to perform doesn't change, then like you may, you might not want to go with the caffeine part, but I mean, caffeine is definitely a performance enhancer. So there's no reason to not, I just don't like the, the pre-workouts without, uh, w- with caffeine because I like to drink coffee. Like I said, that's my favorite thing ever. So I'm Water not going to not drink. Mm-hmm. I want my coffee. So like, that's a better pre-workout for me than actually like a, a, a performally with caffeine Word. in my opinion. Heard that, heard that. By the way, you dripping, you doing French press, pour over. What are you doing these days? Dude, I got the whole setup, man. I got the I got the pour over. I got the ceramic pour over one. I think it's a Hario 60, I think it is. I got the needle nose. I don't know what kettle. that is, but it sounds super legit. It's super legit. And then I, I did just get a French press. It's just a little bit different. I mean, I like to get the nice beans and try them on the different uh, – on the making them on the French press, making on the pour over. I haven't been using the drip as much. But it's a nice, it's nice. I was worried it was going to take a long time and it does, but it's, it's a nice way to kind of ease into the morning, do like four or five minutes of just pouring over this coffee. And it's all about the process, man. It's all about the process. It the is. Journey. Man, coffee's the best. So what else you got, dude? What, so that's beta alanine. Any, any follow-ups on that? Anything that you want to add to beta alanine? Oh, I think the beta alanine is pretty dope. Uh, I mean, if we could go into, uh, we can go into a couple things right here. And we want to talk about protein, amino acids. I was just going to mention a couple of vitamins. Uh, actually I'll, I'll just mention vitamin D real quick, homies. It's, it's getting dark out there. The days are getting short and I, this one hits home for me because I had non- iron related anemia a couple of years back and i was like devastated i i would go out for a run i would try to run at my math pace which is about 150 beats per minute and what i could usually do at seven minute pace i was running 10 minute miles and i was exhausted i'm like something's wrong and it was about it lasted for two months after world's toughest mutter and i thought am i just demolished from world's toughest Mm. well muscularly like things repaired within a few weeks it felt like but something was just was wrong. So I went and got blood work done. Everything checked out except for my my vitamin D levels. And I had an elevated like liver enzyme, but I went back and that ended up getting taken care of. What I ended up having to do was increase my vitamin D levels. For some reason, I wasn't getting enough vitamin D. Maybe I was being a, a bed body. I was just being having a lazy winter and just not getting out enough. But I really felt the effects of not having enough vitamin D. And it had a cascading effect on, well, my bodily functions. I was just super fatigued. My brain wasn't working super duper well. I thought maybe I got hit with another wave of Lyme disease or something. Like it came out Mm. from under the covers. But I ended up taking vitamin D. And over the matter of a few weeks, things really turned around. I feel like a B vitamin in there as well just to help with energy. Not that I really needed it. But all in all, it made a huge difference for me. And so I just wanted to kind of pass that forward. It's like it's we're, we're getting less sunlight 
our body produces vitamin D. It's a reactionary thing that happens on our skin, but we can also, it's a hormone. Vitamin D is a hormone that's necessary in, in body functions, but we can take it as a vitamin. And that's going to be absolutely essential for the way your body deals with calcium, which is going to play a role in how your body actually repairs and builds bones, right? Calcium, that's super important. Uh, and then also like your teeth. We want healthy teeth and stuff. I like strong teeth. I don't want to chip a tooth, which I did once when I tried to open a beer bottle with my teeth. You ever mm. done that? No, because I've seen others. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I was just low on vitamin D at the time. I think I'll try it again this year after True. taking more vitamin D. Strong Good. teeth, open balls. I think you should. Yeah, I will. And it also is going to improve, uh, yeah, overall your your brain function and your muscular function because the vitamin D also plays a role. Since it's so calcium, it it's an electrolyte and it has a function with your mm. muscle contractions. So mm. you will literally notice a difference in your your muscle functionality and its contractibility and like fatigue if you were low on vitamin D compared to if you were in a healthy state with your vitamin D levels. So best thing I can say to anybody is if things aren't feeling great, if you're feeling down, you know, that the dark depression thing that that can happen this time of year, get your get your blood work done, get a metabolic panel, see how all your levels are. And, you know, maybe entertain the fact of just taking a little bit of vitamin D. It's a fat soluble vitamin. So you don't necessarily have to take it every day. You can take it in either every day in small amounts or in larger doses, you know, every couple of days or a week, but it's just something to think about. This is a really interesting and important one at, at this time as well, because I mean, it's, it's when you said it happened after world's toughest mutter, I mean, that it's in November typically, right? Yeah. So that the, like daylight savings that's happening like next week and that's when it gets dark you know four four thirty five o'clock and after world's toughest mother i'm sure you just went right into some downtime so you probably were just inside and after being beat down and just weren't weren't getting out there and also this time we're indoors a lot more just in this covid world like we're kind of forced to be inside a lot more than we have been in the past and this this winter is probably going to be worse than any other winter we've ever had from that respect in terms of being inside just because like now we're not we're not going to be able to dine outside. It's going to be cold. We're not going to be walking around, going places. Go like so. There, that is really an an important thing to note at this time. So a couple of things on that. When you start to take vitamin D, or what, what are the, the what are the numbers like? Did and you when you went and got a blood panel, there were vitamin D deficiency numbers on there. Like like it seems like a strange thing to quantify, right? Like and knowing if that is something that you might need and in your case you it was non-iron related anemia which i didn't even know really was a thing oh did i dude i made the biggest mistake you know when i google and type that shit in it's like oh man you're gonna need bone marrow transplant like you're doing (laughs) my god don't do that don't stop googling people don't google Uh, but so like when you were taking it was it just like there was just whatever milligrams at cvs and you just took the -the over-the-counter stuff and then and just took it every other day or how, how did that look? Yeah, I grabbed, uh, I grabbed some D3, 5,000 IUs, which is a, a pretty, a pretty big dose, but you pretty, what the doctor pretty much said to do is do a saturation like you would do with other supplements sometimes because it's fat soluble. So with some of these fat soluble vitamins, you can take large doses and then you kind of store them in, uh, well, like, like in your fat cells and then your body pulls mm-hmm. on it as it's necessary. So I did 5,000 IUs. Uh, I did two weeks taking 5,000 IUs a day. And then I trickled it down to like one every other day. And then uh, next thing you knew, springtime was coming around and I wasn't taking it anymore. But that kind of reversed things. I don't have my blood panel in front of me. And uh, I'd have to look into more of what the actual, what the reactionary thing was as far as 
the relationship between things and like looking at my vitamin D and how that affected other things that were going on in my blood work. Cause it's like, Oh, you have uh, you know, uh, serum like albumin albumin is, uh, is high or something. It's like, Oh, well the, the doctors have a better understanding of what's actually causing that. So again, it's, it's this affects that affects that. So some of it is inferred, but they were, again, I don't have my blood work right in front of me right now, but they were able to see that like it was vitamin D. Cool. That's interesting. And, and one thing when we're talking about hormone supplementation that I've heard, I don't know if this is across the board, but I know it's something with like testosterone, for example, like you start taking that, your body's going to stop producing that once you're taking it like from an outside source. Now with vitamin D, I guess it's always from an outside source, right? So that's not necessarily something you have to worry about. Say again, like, so like if you take testosterone, your body is going to stop producing it because mm -hmm. that's, you make testosterone, right? But I guess vitamin D, whether it is from a supplement or from the sun, it's not necessarily going to be something that you're, you're going to, you need something else to produce it. So your body's not going to cut it off if you're taking supplements. Yeah, that's my understanding. Okay, cool. Cause that's something that with like, I think that that's along the lines with melatonin as well. Cause people take melatonin as, in this, which I don't, which we're not going to talk about. We should have, should have talked about this one, but I think that's the same thing is with that. It's like, if your body produces melatonin based off of the circadian rhythm. And so if you're taking, if you supplement with melatonin, it can kind of depress your actual ability to produce it. Mm -hmm. And then like you take it for sleep. Right. But then it's just going to, you're just going to kind of come become dependent on, on it. And we'll have, do a follow up and have crazy weird dreams, have crazy weird dreams. Melatonin is good for, if you are traveling across time zones or doing super long flights and your rhythm does get all messed up, but not necessarily, it's not necessarily a, a sleep aid that you should kind of rely on for good sleep. I think CBD is a better option for that. Agreed. And also there's a relationship with vitamin D and circadian rhythm. So also with travel, get out in sunlight as soon as possible and that can help reset things. So the next one I wanted to touch on is one that I feel like is not a very sexy supplement to take or one that's really not going to make that big of a difference, but it's kind of cloudy and more than it should be. And that's just protein powder, it's straight up protein powder. And this is the one thing that this is what I started taking first. I remember when I first started taking protein powder, I was probably introduced to taking protein powder while I was in college or actually, you know, the first supplement I ever, I ever took was that Endurox that was like a carbohydrate protein supplement. You ever seen that? It's like the four to one yeah. carbohydrate to protein supplement. It's like, a recovery supplement pushed to endurance athletes. It put, it's like four carbohydrates to four grams of carbohydrates to one gram protein. So that was like four to one magic ratio, whatever. So again, just food, but essentially, so protein powder is just food. It's just a condensed version of real food. So protein in general is going to help rebuild muscle tissue after exercise. It's going to help maintain muscle mass by keeping you in a positive nitrogen balance. And when we get out of balance, we get into a negative balance. That's when, you'll start to lose, you'll, you'll get stripped away of that muscle mass. So it's really important for endurance athletes to get their protein up. We've talked about this on previous episodes, why you need to keep that protein up. And really protein powder is just a convenient way to get more protein in. It can be really hard to ingest for a lot of people and where the recommended amounts, because we, I typically recommend, you know, a gram or 1.2 grams, even if we're doing really high mileage protein per pound of body weight. So it can be a lot. And so protein powders can really help people get to that number. And also it's just kind of nice on the palate. It's just kind of easy to, to 
have some nice chocolate or vanilla or anything like that. Do you use any protein powder? Uh, I used to, and then I realized I was just eating astronomical amounts of it. I mean, <laughs> the amount of uh, like eggs, just animal products that I take, you know, I'm, I'm well, I'm hitting, hitting my levels for sure. So let me ask you, why were you taking it at the time? Because I wasn't hitting my protein levels. And also I was into bro science, you know, back when I was in doing like quote unquote bodybuilding stuff when I was like 22, 23, uh, I didn't have the education that I did now. And I thought, yeah, more is more is better. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. take 250 grams, like minimum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, those, those numbers are real that people would put out there like 300 grams of protein in a day and just having, having it come in all the time from all, all sources. Got to stay anabolic, man. Wake totally. up at 3 a.m., get that casein protein in. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right before bed, slow and slowly so you can get that drip all throughout the night. So the I remember taking protein at when I was like 22 or 23. I, this One of this, this trainers at the gym I was working at came in and was like, dude, this protein's the best. I can definitely feel it. I definitely know like it's making a difference. And like it's just not. Like it's just not making – you're not going to be able to be like, oh, this protein's so sick. I'm so much stronger now. It's just, just loaded with sugar and he's just all like tingly jazz off the insulin response. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe it just had way more energy from the carbohydrates. But like it's not going to make you stronger itself. Not more than any other like food source or anything from that respect. So this is one that really gets hammered with marketing. And it, and it really started like from the the genesis of – protein it, there apparently was some some marketing battle like there was two different protein companies that were made and one of them got Arnold Schwarzenegger to be the spokesperson for it and then all of a sudden it was like oh man like if you want to get jacked you need to have this supplement so it, it was really right from the jump just a way to kind of trick people into thinking that this product will make you stronger than just eating regular food regular food is for girly mans <laughs> and so like that's really and i've been out of this frame of mind for so long that i forgot that i did used to think this about the protein powder in general and a lot of times this is a question that i will get asked right is like what do you what's a good protein powder that i should take when what should i do what should i take for it like do i do i need protein powder and really the answer is no like if you can get in all of your food and and don't have a problem with it then like it doesn't add anything that your regular food wouldn't and it may even be inferior like probably not it's probably gonna be about the same as any other protein you're gonna take in because like a macronutrient is to, is generally a macronutrient but it is processed i mean it's as processed as any food could really be it's it, it it takes whey protein from like the byproduct of making cheese and then it is powdered into and then added like some sort of uh flavoring and some sort of a lot of times there's dyes associated with it now that's the real bummer about these products yeah for sure because the, the protein quality can be super similar between say you know uh, like an, another animal product and uh and say a hydrolyzed way because ultimately that does come from an animal product but yeah when, it, when the product gets to you they got sucralose they got the dyes they got you know maybe a little bit of added sugar or something else in it that that does make it inferior in my opinion at that point yeah, definitely. And so I feel like this has been a now a trend. It used to be like, what is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck? And they were trying to stuff in a lot of different things and make it taste as good as possible. They'd be, add like 
vegetable oils in there or there would be some sort of carb source to make it sweeter or like the vegetable oils make it a little bit creamier just to make it a little bit more palatable i'm telling you right now if your product if anyone out there has a product on the shelf that has vegetable oil in it get rid of it now right absolutely get rid of it now get rid of it and that's like one thing that was hard with this stuff in the beginning because it started out by tasting really bad and now they've figured like they're just by using things like stevia and, and, you know, artificial sweeteners to that respect, like the stuff tastes better. So you don't need all that added junk. And like, I feel like the marketing has swung this direction now that people have kind of caught on to that. There is a bunch of fillers and bullshit in their protein powders. So now they're like, give me just the simplest, easiest type of way. So you see things like the products like Ascent, or I think there even is like one called Naked Way, you know, that is just going to be basically just whey protein and maybe like sweetened with maybe there's going to be some sort of gum in there to keep it all together. And- I actually I actually have used the Naked. I think it's the Naked grass fed. And it's kind of funny that it's grass fed because I mean, ultimately, when you get a grass fed animal, the byproducts are mostly held like in the fat of the animal, which is stripped out with the whey protein. Right. But you know, it sounds good. And like the animals were treated better. They were free range animals. I'm like, hey, roll your eyes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that, but, the but, treatment of the animals, I'm stealing their milk. I got to at least hope they're happy. But that's the that's again that's just straight up marketing because because people hear grass fed meat is better it's like oh shit well this is grass fed way but yeah you're right grass fed meat is better because of the fats that they have and there's no fats in protein powder totally but what I, I did like about naked is the fact that I was able to get flavorless nothing added to it it was just whey protein and and like xanthan gum yeah I think like you were saying yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like xanthan gum is going to be pretty much in all of them. And, you know, maybe there's like stevia in it. That's nice that it was unsweetened. That That's really nice. It didn't taste that bad, honestly. I mean, just chug it down. You just, you know, make it a small solution. Get it down a couple gulps. Could you still – did it taste kind of like dairy still? Did it have like a milky taste or what was it like? I think so. I think so because I've had powdered milk before and I think it was kind of similar. But what I would do from time to time is I'd get like a little bit of cinnamon, get a little bit of like maybe a drop of maple syrup and like some actual rich Dutch cacao and put that mm. in it. And it's like, all right, boom, now I got my my natural chocolate whey that I've made. See, and this is where for any pro for any supplement, like just getting the actual supplement, like we talked about beta alanine, like and just having it just be that, that's the way to go. And then making whatever solution you can around it. So if you can get just the protein, like, yeah, and then sweeten it up with whatever you want, just so you know what's going in there, that's that's gonna be your best bet. And so with protein powders and when to take protein powders is another part of like this whole, whole marketing thing. And then there's some, there's definitely some conversation to be had about like how much you can absorb all at once. We've talked about that on the podcast before, but like we'll, we'll just kind of go through it again. And again, I just want to re- restate that there is no evidence of taking protein powder over food. So even if you, but like there is a convenience factor. So if you want to take it post-workout, which a lot of times, again, is when it's suggested for people to take protein, that just seems to be a common practice, right? Like, was that kind of when you were taking it, were you, right, right, when you were taking it right after the gym, had your shaker bottle and thrown down protein? 
Totally, and it makes sense. And I mean, you were talking about this ratio of this product you took, which was four to one. I mean, after intense exercise, it does behoove oneself to take a carbohydrate protein mix and, you know, without any fat source. So it is convenient because when you can get it in super quick, you can have it pre-made and you are more uh, insulin sensitive and more responsive to products that you're going to take within, they say, anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours. I think an hour is the most common I see as far as where you're more sensitive to the uh, nutrients that you're going to take in, especially carbohydrate. Uh, So if you take these things in, then your body will be like, hey, I like the protein. I like the carb. I'm going to take that in right now. If you were to take it in with a fat source and say like, if I was to eat a giant fatty steak after after that, number one, the fat's going to slow down my absorption of the protein. And two, since my body doesn't really want the fat right now, it wants some easier stuff to absorb and what it really needs to rebuild the muscle, it's actually going to be more likely to put that fat aside simply, well, as fat immediately instead of metabolizing it and turning it into more immediate energy. Hmm. And uh, so could you go through that again with when it goes through and with the fat and the protein piece? You said it would it would store as fat quicker if it was fattier? post-workout yeah so when so like when you take well it it, post-workout is one thing so when when you exercise you become more insulin sensitive that's why Mm -hmm. you know exercise is probably the best thing you can do to avoid becoming a diabetic because that's ultimately a a issue of insulin resistance so you're more insulin sensitive when you're done exercising your body is going to be ready and more receptive to take in nutrients especially something like carbohydrate so if you were to take in uh, a carbohydrate source with some protein after exercise your body is going to be do a very good job at uptaking those nutrients into the mm. place that they need to go. If you were to take in a fat source with that, whether you're going to do something weird, like drink olive oil with your shape, you're not going to do or eat some whole peanut, peanut butter, peanut butter you know? is totally good. But your body is like, Hey, I don't need this fat right now. I need the other stuff. We already have sure. enough fat on board. Even if you're 5% body fat, it's like the body's like, Hey, I'm good on the fat right now. And it would be more likely to take that fat and just shove it aside. This is how alcohol works as well. If you are eating like mm. French fries and you're having alcohol, your body's like, yo, I got all this shit going on right now. I'm just putting all this extra stuff to the side as fat. All these French fries get into the side as fat so I can process this alcohol. It's like, okay, so I can get this poison out of your body. Exactly. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Hmm. That makes sense. And that, that's, that's an interesting point about it post exercise and making and taking what it needs first. And that, you know, the post exercise of being more insulin sensitive is definitely a thing, but there's also been a little bit more evidence about the amount of protein. So I agree carbohydrates post-workout, like I think are, are really beneficial, especially for recovery. It'll, it'll take in and it'll, it'll help shuttle that protein to the muscle as well. Cause that's basically what insulin does. It's just more of a transporter to take the nutrients around. And, but it turned from what I understand that eating protein post-workout is really only going to be beneficial if you have been in a, like a deficit for a long time, or if you've been in a, like a fasted state beforehand, it's really gonna be hard for your aminos to drop low. If, even if you had protein before. So if you're eating protein pre-workout, it, you might not need that like window, that anabolic window that you mentioned, like that 30 to two hours, as long as you're just getting in eventually, because it's not like when you work out that your aminos are going to drop all the way down because so, it's not, you're not using them in terms of like an energy source as you would for carbohydrates. So that's why your body wants those carbohydrates to get stored back in. But the, the amino pools, I, I don't think necessarily work that way. And they more get processed in, in with due time. So the window might not necessarily even be as, important for the protein as long as you're taking it consistently throughout the day and yeah. that's what people- agreed agreed with that I, if you're getting in adequate protein throughout the day 
you're you're probably pretty good after your workouts ultimately if you are training especially like very frequently every single day and your goal is to recover for the session the next day then carbohydrate becomes pretty important after that exactly. workout because that's going to help not only with well restoring like glycogen but like you've pointed on the past i mean that that plays a big role in the actual repair of the muscle because you're bringing water into the cells along with the carbohydrate so it has a, a pretty big role in the recovery of the actual muscles so in terms of like the timing for protein powder for me, almost like pre-workout would even be better or like intra-workout. If your stomach if can handle it, yeah, why not? If your stomach can handle it. And that's where it's a good point for actually using powder because you're going to be more likely to be able to stomach some sort of powder pre-run than you would like a piece of chicken, <laughs> right? So that's where I do find it to be pretty useful. I will take like a protein a powder before a workout. Like if I have a workout in like an hour I'll, or probably within that hour range, I will feel fine taking in some sort of protein from like a, a supplement. And what I like to do, I like to make like a protein pudding, just like have real, just put a scoop of protein and just add a couple almost like drops of water, like a real little bit of water and just stir the shit out of it. And it turns into pudding and it's so good. I just pictured you being like Billy Madison with the pudding packs. Like, oh, pudding packs, my favorite. Just getting a protein pudding, like every snack. hour on the day. We've made a, a, sna a snack pack protein pudding. I would snack eat that. Pack protein pudding i like I think that they, i think they make those i think that is a thing but you could just buy it and just make it it's so i'm telling you dude it's back to the point right up. get the individual ingredients make your own shit make your own shit <laughs> and it's it's really good so like that's where i find it to be the most valuable or at the end of the day if you need to get in some more protein to make sure that you're you're getting close to that number is if, if your volume is high you need to make sure that you are taking in more protein and you have a hard time palating it and, or you have a hard time eating that much. That's where I find protein powders to be really, really valuable. But in terms of timing or when to use it, it doesn't really matter as just as long as you're, you're getting it in. I, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think it matters that much at all as well. And by the way, everyone's like the reason we were, we were talking about like whey. Okay. We didn't really talk about like non-animal options and I haven't looked too much into the non-animal options, but the reason whey is really nice or an animal product is because they have the most complete profile of amino acids. And ultimately yeah. a lot of amino acids need to be present to elicit certain functions, whether it's protein synthesis or other cellular function, because amino acids make up proteins and proteins make up, well, a lot of stuff going on in your body. So that's why protein is important. And that's also why specific protein sources become important because they offer different amino acid ratios. Right. And that's why taking a plant-based protein, you know, with all due respect to your nutrition choices, like, yeah, like sometimes you're going to have to take that, like, but the bioavailability isn't going to be the same. So you might just have to take more. You might just take a little bit more of a plant protein than a whey. So that that's really the the difference on that. So yeah, talk about the amino acids a little bit more because that is an interesting interesting thing about this is it, it, it breaks down into amino acids, which are really what is going to help the function in your body. So that's why we take a protein powder to get those. And you've actually done uh, a good amount of of work and research and experimentation on your own when it comes to taking like amino acid supplements for training. So w what has been your experience with that? Well, it's really interesting about amino acids, and they're coming out with more and more research on it. I think that the most interesting thing they'll say right off the bat is what it can what it can do potentially for us mentally. 
especially during exercise. When we exercise, we fatigue. And uh, kind of like we talked about your 10 mile, right? It wasn't like lactate that was shutting you down. It might've been something happening more uh, like with a calcium channel, some sort of electrolyte thing, the way your brain was able to communicate to the, the muscles to allow them to contract and all this. So you so you just felt like kind of, a, what's it called? A, a, a lifeless a mannequin. It's like you just lost control. You're like, yeah. it's like, I'm tired, but I this is just weird. I'm just losing, losing control of the muscles. Totally. It's like, how, what's even happening? Uh, but what's another factor when it comes to fatigue is what's happening in your brain. And ultimately your brain is the most important. Your body is just carrying around the brain. That's its job. The brain is the most important thing. It's what makes all the decisions. It's running the show. So if it's low on energy, whether it's typically from glycogen, if you're running out of glycogen, your brain freaks out. It's like, Hey body, you're using up all my energy. You need to slow down. I want this energy or else I'm going to, I'm going to die. So amino acids do this cool thing where, number one, they can get through gluconeogenesis, they can get turned into sugar, into glucose, and that's going to help you feed your brain. But another interesting thing is happening there where the amino acids, isoleucine, leucine, pyrazine, where's my list here? I forgot one of them, but there's a handful of them that compete with tryptophan, which is another amino acid, to get into the brain where serotonin is produced. And this is interesting. Serotonin is responsible for feelings of fatigue. So when you're exercising, your body, as it gets fatigued, will actually produce more serotonin, making you feel more fatigued Hmm. and making you want to shut down. So by introducing some of these amino acids, some of these branch chain amino acids, you might create an environment where your brain is not producing as much serotonin. And subsequently, you're not getting the signal that you are tired. So this is where it's really cool. It's like the brain rules everything. You're kind of tricking your brain to saying, nah, we're good. We're not tired. And so your body can continue to function at a higher level. And I haven't seen a lot of studies as far as the real difference in performance. There's a lot of research to be done in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anecdotally speaking, I've been using it for a long time. I feel the result, even just placebo, it's a strong one. And I personally really enjoy it. Talking about protein, so the proteins that we were just talking about, that's made up of amino acids. That's made up of, and say, whey protein that has all the essential amino acids. There's essential, there's non-essential, there's uh, ones that are like kind of essential. And then you, you need a certain amount of them to actually stimulate protein synthesis, which is like your muscles are going to grow, your muscles are going to repair. Like we stated before, if you're getting in enough protein throughout the day, whether it's, let's just for the, this example, say your diet naturally, you get in plenty of protein. You don't even need a protein supplement. Okay. So it's like, why would I take amino acids now? Mm-hmm. Well, like the reason I just stated, it's like your amino acid pool is probably not going to be too highly affected over the course of, you know, whatever your exercise is, 30 minutes, two hours, you know, as far as protein synthesis goes, you're probably not gonna have too much of an issue because you didn't take in protein or amino acids during that exercise. Right. But if you take in some of these amino acids, such as the isoleucine, these ones that might compete with the tryptophan, not only are you going to feel better for that exercise, but potentially the fact, uh, so isoleucine plays a role in muscle protein synthesis. It's necessary for that to be present to stimulate protein synthesis. So in the event that that particular amino acid was depleted or at a lower level than that which is optimal taking an extra of those few particular amino acids can now get together and hang out with the group of other amino acids that are present 
to stimulate protein synthesis. So if you're getting all enough protein throughout the day, that's fantastic. These uh, few select branch, of chain, uh, branch chain amino acids might help, might, I'm saying, just a lot of research that has to be done. They might help increase protein synthesis in the act that you're just kind of going through the other aminos, if that makes sense. Kind of. So like, cause that's the, that's the thing with, so it, that's the kind of thing that this branch chain amino acids bump up against where a lot of people who are in this, like the more like gym space, like the meathead space are saying like this, you don't need these, like this is not an area. It's not going to help you build muscle, right? Like I believe it will help you maintain that, like, like may help reduce the amount of muscle you may lose. And I think that that's where they have seen positive results in people who are in like low, low protein diets, right? That's where these have in like the mainstream, that's like where things have really shown benefit for branch chain amino acids so that you don't lose muscle mass where like maybe you can't eat protein or, or whatever it is. But could you explain that again? What is it that it does? How does it, how are you? I'm going to, I'm going to use an analogy. Maybe I'll get Bracken in here to do a car one for me. Perfect. He's good with those. I'll use it. I'll use a dog sled team for this. Okay. So say, say the dog sled team is made up. Each dog represents an amino acid, Okay. but the dog sled team needs a lead dog. So you have two rows of dogs and there's one lead dog up at the, at the end, right? That lead dog, let's say that's isoleucine. It's necessary for protein synthesis. That lead dog needs to be there for the rest of the dogs to know where to go. Okay. Let's say in the act that that lead dog, all of a sudden, gets the leash gets cut and it's off. It's like, Oh, isoleucine dog. Where'd you go? I need you. Well, the rest of the dogs are there. Now all we need is isoleucine. Huh. In comes another lead dog, another isoleucine to get on the, on the dog sled team on the team of amino acids and boom, they can all function again. Got it. So that's what a brand, that's what one of these branch chain aminos would, would be doing. Correct. So on their own, these branch chain amino acids aren't going to do a whole lot for protein synthesis. However, if you already have the pool of aminos and you just happen to be deficit in these one particular aminos, then taking them will help protein synthesis. And is that di- is that diet based typically that you would be deficient in the branch chains? Because we can't produce branch chains, right? We do have to take that from food. So the br- there's a lot of amino acids that we can produce. Right. The essential amino acids are ones that we need to take in okay. dietarily. So it could be some sort of deficiency in your diet. So this might just be a good way to to cover that and make sure that it, like exactly if, yeah. If so, you do, if you don't eat a certain, if you don't eat meat or whatever, or if you're a picky eater, or if you just eat the same thing over and over, like this would be a good way just to kind of cover your bases. Precisely. Yeah. That is another. That is a good reason to take this. You know, like if if there is a a, a point where. Yeah, like you said, like you just want to make sure and if you feel like you're at a sticking point or anything and you're just not seeing the results, like, yeah, that's definitely worth a shot for that. And I really liked what you're saying about the the mental acuity part and the and not and having it be a way to buffer fatigue essentially, and just making sure that that and that's something that I feel like is going to be a long ways away from people doing research on and it's probably going to be pretty freaking hard to do research on that right like how could you even Dude, put that in a lab the, um, the amount of variables that there are this is the issue it's like you look at so many studies and it's like they take one thing into an account but they don't take this other thing into account which totally skews everything but they don't include it 
And so they just write, oh, well, this is what we found. And it, it becomes very invalid. It's like we've t there's, there's some studies about diet and people, oh, people who eat more meat are more, this is more likely to get cancer. Well, it turns out that those people were also eating shitloads of sugar, right? They're drinking Coca-Cola and getting the burgers. Yeah. And get right. And getting their meat from McDonald's. Right. So that's, that's the issue. It's, it's like, oh, there's a study that says this. But what did they really mean? What else was really going on there? All right. And like, what's the purpose, right? Like, so to do for branching amino acids for endurance, like, and to work somebody to the point of fatigue to where there's going to be like the essentially a central governor coming. It'd be such a hard study to put on. And like, literally like ultra distance hard, because I think that yeah. where this, where the mental thing becomes more of a role is when you've been operating for 10 hours. Right. And, then at that point, you got to take in was your nutrition on point. Otherwise, well, how was your sleep? What's your mood like? How's your world relationship? It becomes so difficult to really wean out how much of a role did this really play? And like, if, it, if they're trying to study something like that takes hours and hours, like how much did that person really want to do that that day? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, yeah, run for as long as you can. Someone's gonna be like, mm, I've been running for six hours. I'm gonna go home now. I don't want to do this study anymore. <laughs> you know, like, so like, that is something where I do find that that could be really, really helpful for an endurance athlete and worth a shot, you know, like it's not, and, and this could be something where maybe protein powder could help during workouts, but it's going to be harder on your gut where these branched chain amino acids aren't going to be that hard on your gut. Like you could just take it really simply with uh, any type of uh, liquid solution. So like you said, like even if it's placebo and, but that shit works, placebo is real. And there, I don't find that there will ever be any evidence to prove one way or the other. So I think that's a good, a good thing just to try. Cause it makes sense to me. And you know what, one of the things, I mean, I don't know about what the repercussions are of taking say too much beta alanine, but for example, of like branched chain amino acids, there's, you really can't overdose on it. No. Yeah. You're just going to, you're just going to pee it out. I mean, if you, maybe you take too much and there's a particular type of sweetener in there, you know, you'll, you'll feel something, but ultimately it's a, N, you know, N equals one. But yeah, no, for sure. And that's like, that's with protein typically too. Like you can take a bunch in it and like, there's not going to be any type of people want to say like, oh, it's going to be hard in your kidneys to say about anything. But like, I agree, like there's nothing that's, there's no downside <laughs> really to taking it. So I'd give it a shot, especially if you're going for some long runs or if you have a longer race lined up, like, why not? You know, and that Why is, not? and that's something that you would take. That's, this isn't something that you would consistently, I guess you could consistently dose it. How would you take branched chain amino acids? So the way that I take them is if I don't have anything big planned for the day, I'll just trickle in uh, anywhere from seven to 14 grams throughout the day. Just, just taking it in. Also, I, I will admit I am using a flavored product right now and I'd like to get something that has a nicer sweetener in it, but it's just doing it for me. The price is right. And sometimes we make sacrifices, you know, shit tastes good shit, too. Shit tastes good. It helps me drink a lot of water. It's got, I like the, the profile of amino acids as well as the, the sodium and potassium that it has in it. So yeah, I just trickling throughout the day. And then if I'm doing an ultra event, I'll specifically put in seven grams, which is just kind of the study show like up. Oh, that's a, that's a good amount to take. Like it's tolerable. It's functional. I'll put that in a bottle. I'll use that for an event. That's over two hours. Nice. And what are you taking? Is that extend? It is extend. The reason I like it is because one, it has the ratio of the, just the isoleucine, the leucine, the things that compete with tryptophan, the things that, you know, may mitigate the breakdown of muscle tissue during an event, which ultimately is good for recovery, blah, 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 blah. But also the electrolytes, I feel like are really beneficial and it tastes good. It tastes good. So why mm -hmm. not? Tastes good. Easy mm -hmm. to stomach. Cool. 
Do you want to talk about creatine? Dude, let's spit about creatine real quick. Yeah. About it. Dude, you've taken creatine. I have taken creatine. I've taken, What's your history? I've taken creatine on its own. I've, I was probably introduced to taking creatine through pre-workout. And I've gone back and forth on taking it when going – when training heavily for – endurance i haven't put too much of a focus on that i don't make it a piece like it's like okay, if, if i'm ramping up it's like okay let's make sure i got some creatine in here i don't typically do that i have started taking it again since i've been in the gym more often but yeah that that's basically it and like for me i'm not sure how much it does i know there's a lot of evidence behind it but for anecdotally if it was a day with or a day without i don't or like you know a, a cycle right like if i had a, a three weeks of dosing it and then three weeks of that i'm not sure how it would differ for me. So that's kind of where I stand with it. It seems like it's, it's harmless enough. And like, there is a a lot of upside to it that, you know, it's worth, and it's super cheap, crazy cheap. So it's crazy crazy cheap. So it was, I was looking for something that it was like, you can get such massive quantities of it too, that they don't sell it in like little things. It's like, how am I going to store any of these big things of creatine? It's more like a small thing and just have it for like a couple, couple weeks. I got this Creapure stuff. It's micronized, so it's just easier to absorb. That's really all that means. Uh, and it's like free of metals. Uh, it's from, It was from Germany, so I really trust it. I trust the Germans. Mm-hmm. I do. Does it, yeah, does it not? I think that I have something like that, but it doesn't mix very well. And I was like, they made these like little things that don't <laughs> mix in my water. Does yours mix okay? It, it, yeah, it mixes fine. It really does. But are you are you shaking or stirring? I'm stirring. You're shaking or stirring? Okay, you got shake. Shake. I got shake. So tell, me, tell us about creatine. What does it do? Man, so creatine. So our body has different ways of producing uh, ATP, adenosine triphosphate. It's uh, the currency for for how we move. Basically, you know, how our we move. Mu- right. Yeah, and so there's different ways of doing. It. Our body uses glycogen. Our body can can use lactate, which also makes us turn into glycogen. It can use fatty acids. It can use amino acids. There's a lot of different sources of energy. A lot of substrates it can use to produce this energy, which allows us to run and lift. Well, creatine phosphate is also one creatine we take in creatine and it gets stored as creatine phosphate creatine phosphate is typically it's a very quick rapid source of energy it's usually shown to be useful for all-out events where and i mean maximal you know maximal effort between 10 seconds and up to 30 seconds so that's what's really cool about you might hear us talk about stride striders you know you go out for 10 seconds for a 10 second little sprint what's beautiful about it is like you use the creatine phosphate system there's no real byproduct it doesn't cause a lot of damage it's a quick thing of energy and the thing is is it repletes pretty quickly as well so by taking in something like a creatine supplement ultimately you're increasing your creatine stores which is has been shown for a long time to improve your power output over short bursts and what that might look like is if you are sprinting and you're doing say uh, a 50 meter dash and you can have you have a certain speed that you can sustain for 50 meters this might allow you to hold that pace for 60 meters before you drop off or if you're uh, in the world of weightlifting typically the reason people are able to get a lot stronger off something like creatine is because they might give them enough energy to get an extra two reps over the course of 20 or 30 seconds in a set because it just produces a little bit more energy. And what I like about it, because it hasn't been used a lot in endurance sports, I think it's getting more popular based on what I've seen. And I think that it absolutely should be more widely used because like we said with the beta alanine, I mean, you might, in an endurance event, you might be operating at a fairly low level, but you still have to surge. You still have to surge. You still have a sprint finish. It's still going to get used in one way or another. And the thing is it replenishes pretty quickly. So 
Think about uh, for the obstacle course races listening. You hit the monkey bars. You're through them in 15 seconds, okay? You used your arms a lot. You were able to use a lot of creatine phosphate, okay? By the time you get to the next obstacle, even say you hit another upper body obstacle three minutes from then, your creatine phosphate over the course of three minutes is entirely restored. Mm-hmm. It's entirely restored based on the studies. So having a little extra creatine in the system just means you're going to be a little extra topped off. Yeah. Really simple as that. Simple as that. It's like the same as the beta alanine where it's, it doesn't hurt to have it. And it's like, it's essentially like carb loading for ATP, right? Like just making sure those stores are all filled up. So there isn't really a negative behind it. I mean, the one thing that people will kind of say, and I don't know if this is just uh, part of like just the, the pushback, of how there is it against anything is that it will push water into your muscles. So they, you'll look more jacked because of it, because, but it's water weight or you'll get, you'll carry weight more because you're taking it, which might not be an advantage for an endurance athlete. I have started taking it again last like two weeks. I haven't been on the scale, so I don't know if I'm carrying extra weight at all. No, you look great. Thank you. Thank you. What is your experience with that? Like, cause again, anecdotally, I don't know. I don't know. Again, like I said, with beta alanine, there's different levels of responders to creatine where beta alanine it's pretty much blanket it, it's going to kind of work where creatine like people respond a little bit different based on i don't know why but it just does so i might be a low responder to it but i don't know do you have you noticed anything in terms of body composition when Dude, you take so it that, that's, a, that's a great question i think that is the most common thing that i hear is like oh it's gonna make me it's gonna make me heavier it's gonna make me feel look bloated so first first off to answer your question for me personally i do not gain weight on creatine but here's why I'm not preloading. I'm not taking 20 or 30 grams a day, which you'll see in a lot of studies or you'll see a lot of bros in the gym taking, all right? When I was just looking at an article before that was uh, actually from Olympians doing so a track workouts in Estonia, okay? And they were talking about repeat, but they, they touched on weight real quick. In the study, they were taking 30 grams a day. They were taking it six to, uh, five grams six times a day, trickle times a day. That's a lot. What? That's a lot. Yes. Ultimately, their times improved over the course of 1,000 meters, so their power-to-weight ratio was obviously affected for the better. They they put on up to four pounds. That was with that weight. Okay, so four pounds is a lot. It's a lot, but their but their power output exceeded the detriment of the weight gain. So, but here's what they followed up that article with: when you trickle it in, say five grams per day which is what I'm doing, five grams a day, rather than 30 grams a day doing this preload, the muscle saturation is slower. People do this preload, just get saturated, literally saturated, right? You're like, you get blown up with water. So they, they say, but if you're taking five grams a day, that doesn't seem to occur. And the weight gain ends up being closer to one pound than four pounds. So if you trickle it in, it, you don't seem to get that same sudden bloating effect. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, because taking that much... That's probably just so people get a a some sort of payoff because, like I said, it's topping it off. And like, if you dose consistently, it will get topped off eventually. So taking five is is the better bet. But maybe they they do recommend having that saturation period just so you can feel something happening or do some or have something or like see something happening. That again might be part of the marketing of things. But that seems crazy to take it six times a day. Yeah, it does. But here's here's some other really cool stuff about it. So creatine may raise IGF one, which is insulin growth factor. Insulin growth factor it's it's present in large amounts in pregnant women and and kids that are going through uh, growth spurts. It's a growth factor. You're gro- you're growing stuff, and that's what so, people will take that. That's that can that's an anabolic, right? So that's like a, yes, that people will inject that. 
Yes. That's like yes, a, they that's will. a steroid that bodybuilders take. Yes, it is. Yep. So if it raises that, you can infer from that, that that's another reason why people might see increased growth from taking creatine because huh. it, let's see. And it also has been shown to reduce myostatin. Now, this is really interesting. And I actually heard this came to my attention the first time listening to Rhonda Patrick on the, the Joe Rogan experience. They were talking about myostatin. And when it came on my radar, they were talking about these greyhounds that were super yoked. You've seen those, right? So. Oh my God, dude, these greyhounds are the beefy as if they look like a chimpanzee, a chimpanzee has been shaved. I mean, the musculature of these things, they're so yoked, dude, you have to look at it. <laughs> oh my God. So anyways, what happens with these animals is that genetically there's something that gets twisted. They, it's like a single, it's a SNP, a single uh, nucleotide polymorphism. And there's a myostatin inhibitor. Myostatin is a protein that inhibits muscle growth. So if you can inhibit the myostatin, you just grow like uncontrollably. And these things just build muscle on control. They just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. There's no regulation on how much muscle they're putting on. So if you can reduce myostatin, then you are increasing your growth potential. And then creatine will do that? Creatine seems to do this. Yes. And so when people get concerned about, and I mean, especially to the endurance runners listening, I mean, if you, your concern is putting on a lot of bulk, there has to be stimulus there for the most part, okay? Right. So if you're taking something like creatine, you're worried about getting big or you're worried about, well, yeah, just getting big, putting on a lot of muscle. If you're doing mostly running, that's going to go That's gonna go to your legs. You're going to build, you might build a little size in your legs, but ultimately if you're doing endurance work, the size is going to be pretty limited. Right. Sprinters get big. Endurance stuff, the stimulus is to be efficient and that means staying relatively light. Also, it's the time of year where... It, uh, it put on that weight vest, put on a few extra pounds and roll with it. You know, your body's going to be happy hormonally and every, your muscles, your tendons, everything's going to love the extra food you're eating, a little bit of extra creatine. And then, you know, when you start picking up volume and, and maybe uh, cutting down the calories or whatever it is that you do going into the race season, you're going to be that much more adapted to the weight that you were carrying, even if it was a few pounds. Sure. So I, I'm an optimist. I'm just throwing that out there. And one last thing about creatine is cellular hydration. I noticed this with myself big time this past year. In previous years, I've had a lot of issues with cramping. And of course, part of that is just training in general, made my muscles more adapted to the work I was putting them through. But what I did notice is that towards the end of the year, this year, I decided let's get off creatine for a few weeks and see what happens. I wanted to see if I would lose weight and if my power to weight ratio would increase and thus I'd become faster. Number one, I didn't lose any weight, (laughs) which means I didn't gain any weight. My weight was the same. And two, I ended up cramping in unique ways. When I was taking creatine during say like my devil's path FKT, no cramps. And I, what I refer from that is one, okay, training was good, but potentially the, the increased cellular hydration improved overall the condition of the cell as it was going through all of that trauma, all of that stress. So the increased hydration could have played a role in ultimately a better cellular function because dehydration obviously is a huge issue in runners, especially in the heat. So if you can increase cellular hydration, even if it means you put on an extra pound or two of water, you'll need that water. You'll be happy with that water if you're running, you know, the, uh, a marathon in the middle of August. Yeah. It's funny how people want to use that, like pushing water to your muscles as a negative when really like you could shape it as a positive, like that could be a benefit. (laughs) So I like that. And it's interesting that you had that, that you took that time to see what would actually happen when, when getting off of creatine. So yeah, cool, man. I like it. And like, it's like, again, super cheap. And I I take it, I take it with a beta alanine in the morning, just mix up beta alanine and creatine in the morning, just put in water. Doesn't taste like anything. 
just suck it down to me. I don't feel shit. I don't know what's happening. So I'm just taking it because I just wanted to see. So I would encourage it, right? Like just why not? Yeah. And also, I mean, if anyone listening, that's like 70, they're also showing that it's great for, for it has neuroprotective properties and it can help with cognitive function. That's why you see it in some nootropics lately. So it's getting some popularity in that realm. Seems like a no brainer to take in my opinion. Absolutely. So I would, I would recommend that pretty much any, any product that it's all going to be creatine monohydrate. They'll have some fancy words here or there that don't matter that much, but just creatine monohydrate, you'll, you'll pretty much be a safe bet for, for what we're talking about here. Yeah, and don't don't preload. You don't need to do 20, 30 grams. Don't do that. A day. It might say Circle it on the it label. Yeah. What don't you like? Is there anything that you're like, you know? Dude, I was telling you this before, man. I was telling my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm trying to think of shit I don't like, but it's like the game Never Have I Ever. Like, I can't think of the things that I haven't done or that I don't like, you know? <laughs> yeah, because there, I mean, I haven't taken a lot of this. Like, when I was doing research on this, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I was like, and I threw out collagen to you. I was like, I don't necessarily think collagen is, is what people think it might be because it does on the label of collagen it's marked as protein but it's a very incomplete protein it's not the same as taking a protein powder or eating chicken it's just like its own thing so that's like the amino acids it's like a couple of aminos it's incomplete it's very incomplete and it's pretty pricey and like that that was kind of sold as it, it initially was sold as a beauty product right to help with hair and nails and it's like you know, like it helps thicken those things, I guess. And then it's like also now saying like your ligaments and tendons can also have benefit from collagen, correct? Yeah. And when I ran that 10 mile with our buddy Mark Godet, he was swearing by this product that Hammer Nutrition has. And it was essentially like a, a collagen and like a biotin like mixture. And he was like, dude, this makes me feel fucking awesome. This is like the best thing they make. I forget what it was called, but like, look it up. Like it was called like something like regenerate regenerator or something. And uh, like, I was like, what? And I looked at it. And I was like, that's what it was. It was, co- it was basically just collagen and biotin in like pill form or something. So that to me is something that maybe that's have to be, that'd be way down the road for me to spend on something like that. But uh, so that was one thing I threw out there. I think fish oil is something that's there. There was a lot of positive evidence behind. And now there seems to be kind of a counter back. Do you know much about fish oil? Uh, you know, I actually don't know a huge amount about fish oil. I feel like I looked into it at a certain point in time. But ultimately, there's, yeah, there's a ratio of omega 3s and 6s and 9s. And there was a while where they were saying omega 3s can help with uh, like protein synthesis. Bodybuilders were taking a lot of mm-hmm. it. I think that might that might still stand. But the issue is that omega 6 and 9 gained more popularity. And uh, people were pushing, get, get this vegetable oil. It's mm-hmm. high in six and nine. It's great. It's great for uh, cardiovascular health. That's bullshit. It's, it's too much of that. If your ratios are off, it's super inflammatory, especially if it's coming from a high processed vegetable oil. So, so that's all I got for that right there. Yeah. I mean, if you want to hear more about it, let us know and we'll look into it. And that's what I think it's the same deal. It's like, if you are deficient in it, if you don't eat fish, maybe like there, if you're not getting omega threes and like you're out, you might be out of balance, maybe out of whack, like then it might be worth looking into. And, and like, I think that there's a lot of like variance in actual products. Like I think there's like 
that can kind of spoil sometimes. Like you can get really poor fish oil products. Precisely. And that's, that's really, so the like, like vegetable oils, there are a lot of oils, uh, polyunsaturated oils that are very susceptible to oxidation. Ultimately you're taking in these oils and that can increase oxidation and subsequent inflammation in the body and the cascading myriad of things that can happen from Mm. that. So I like, like talking about oils, no one should have vegetable oils. You should you should really avoid it at all costs. If you're going to get an olive oil, make sure it's a pure olive oil and not a mix of olive oil. I've I've seen olive oils where it says olive oil, and on the back it's like the first ingredient is uh, like safflower or canola, and then olive oil's in there. It's like oh, it was a mix, but they weren't transparent about it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, so this might be a more highly oxidized product than what I actually want to take in. So oils get a little fishy there. Mm, so yeah, like. And basically, look at the ingredients on any of these things. We, I talked about pre-workout a couple of times. It's something that I take, that I used to take back in the day. I used to love it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't offer that up to anybody. I would really anything with any type of like proprietary blend is going to be kind of tricky because when they say proprietary blend, and then they list the ingredients of the proprietary blend is under it, like they're not, they're not pointing out how much of each thing is in it. It just is like a blanket of how much how much of the proprietary blend is in a dose. And then it's like 20 ingredients of what the proprietary blend is. So it could be like a little bit of all the things and like a lot of just junk that kind of fills in. So when you you hear about fillers and things like that, like that's one kind of red flag. I mean, you can read through it. It could all be good stuff, but like, there's not really, they're not like, they're not singling out how much of everything is in each thing. So it would be, it would be much more to your benefit to do as we've been talking about this whole thing, just kind of pick the pieces out of the proprietary blend and take it on its own. So if there was like a mushroom proprietary blend, like Josh, you were saying in the beginning that has cordyceps, has lion's mane, has um, ratio, all this other stuff, like take that on its own before you go ahead and take a proprietary blend of, of or any type of blend for something like that. So that's something I would really kind of warn against is looking at the ingredients and seeing if that's something that's on there and then making sure you know what all of it is or you want to try that on its own because it's kind of a way just kind of jack up the price of things i think what do you think yeah oh oh, totally man you get a sweet logo on it you get some sick like marketing video on youtube all right and you got a bunch of ingredients down there that you're like scientists say this is gonna make you shred it right and it's expensive. And it's expensive. Like, All right, whatever. They sell me just shredded and like they look cool, so I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. That's so, why I got the oh now I know what that product was called, dude. The UFC fight, it was it was Nox CG3. It was this nitric oxide booster loaded with caffeine. Oh dude, I got so fucking hyped off of that. Nox CG3. Huh. And that's we didn't even talk about n- nitric boosters. Nitric boosters, nah. dark chocolate, folks. Stick to the whole foods. Either get your beet elite, beet elite. Or, the dar- or the dark chocolate. And a lot of, a lot of like lettuce, a lot of lettuces, like any type of like, I was, I was looking at that and actually like beet, like lettuce, like, or whatever, I guess it, it has more. Yeah. Be, yeah. Beet greens has more than actually the beet root. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. All like the beet root was like, it was, it's high on the list of foods in, in life, but like it was pretty far down. It's all a bunch of like greens and lettuce and all, everything that was above it. A bunch of stuff I've never really Starting. heard of. You're yeah. just like running a marathon, like eating cabbage, Crushing. farting. <laughs> Not having an awesome time. But Beat Elite, I like, again, same thing. If I ran a race with Beat Elite and then without Beat Elite, I wouldn't know. And only my my urine after would just be a normal color. Mm. And then after Beat Elite was, 
the first time I, t- I forgot I took Beat Elite the first time I took it, and it was after the Beast actually in Vernon. Maybe like the second year I ran it, I got le- I got I got less murdered that year. And the first year I got really murdered. I was less murdered this time, but after the race, I, I peed, and I remember specifically being in the porta potty up there and being like, "I'm fucking bleeding." Like I must have hit my kidneys out there or something. Like something is really wrong right now. I didn't need to go see my. It was like dark orange. It was crazy looking. That's why they call it the beast. <laughs> if you didn't come out looking that way, you didn't do it right. Didn't do Dude, it I took right. I took Beetle I actually I noticed the difference between that. I usually take dark chocolate. I'll take ninety percent cacao. What was it like an ounce? Yeah, yeah, like twenty eight, twenty five, twenty eight grams. And I definitely noticed a difference with that as far as like vascularity goes. But Beetle is really interesting because I felt now I don't I have to look again at the label to see what else they put in there, but. I did feel a little more of a sensation. Like it was more apparent really? that I had taken something. Whereas the dark chocolate, maybe I'm just used to it, but I don't really feel a whole lot of a difference. I feel maybe my blood pressure drop a little bit, which if I'm about to get into some like super intense exercise, ultimately helps with blood flow in and out. And you know, that's great. Cause you get byproducts out, nutrients in, blah, 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 blah. But uh, that's, that's an interesting one. Yeah. So we could touch on that later, but that's pretty much all we got. All we got for, the supplements that we wanted to talk about for this one. Anything else you want to add on it? Nah, if anyone wants to hear anything about any other supplements, like in particular, reach out. And if, you know, a couple people say, hey, we want to know more about fish oil. I'm like, all right, I should probably touch in on this a little more. Right. Yeah. And that's the same thing. Like do your research on these things, reach out to uh, people like us who like to research this type of things that we can look into it for you maybe, but if always do your research first before going in and trying some stuff, don't just walk into GNC, don't walk into vitamin shop and just like go into it blind because it will be overwhelming and you're really not going to know what is what. Mm-hmm. And above all Rich, I'm sure you agree. Focus on whole foods first complete diet then go after the suppies correct right back to our disclaimer where these aren't going to do shit for you if everything else is out of whack cool word cotton word bruh so where can people find you still on the insta ja underscore shua underscore r-i-e-d just put up a uh kettlebell video people are trying to figure out how to swing kettlebells and stuff holla at that yeah really good informative stuff yeah coming up on this time of year where we're going to be getting some strength training so kettlebells is the way to go. If you can get your hands on a kettlebell, I haven't checked to see if kettlebells are available on like Rogue or like Kettlebell Kings or anything in a while. Dude, I put myself on a waiting list for a for a twenty two kilogram. I just wanted a forty four pounder. Uh, and why? It's been like why? Well, hold well, on. Why? <laughs> high high rep overhead presses, high rep snatches, and also for working with clients because I uh, because for myself. I'm totally fine. Like my 24 kilogram, I can use that for pretty much everything. But yeah, for clients, I'm not going to give them 12 kilogram jumps. Get them stronger, bro. <laughs> it's a problem. I understand. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like tape sandbags to the lighter kettlebells for the in between weights. Yeah, yeah. They either get one pood or a two pood, and if they can't do one of those, Sweet they God. get nothing. No pood. No pood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned now that gyms are like. I, I heard Europe is going to more of a lockdown again. And I really am not looking forward to my gym getting closed again. That would really suck. So maybe I'll be on the lookout for some kettlebells for wintertime. Because, man, I was looking forward to getting swole. I had this whole idea. I'm going to get yoked over the winter. But Creatine, protein, kettlebells.
done. I'm just going to get a pre-workout and just like everything we just talked about, like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to get get a pre-workout and see how it goes. Just get some stuff that has a lot of ingredients. It does not come from a scientifically backed source. Doesn't matter. No one's going to get you hyped. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Is is that cardiac arrhythmia or is my HRV really good? I don't know. (laughs) All right. That'll be it for us. Check me out. Reinforce underscore running underscore rich. I haven't put up anything as cool as Josh's kettlebell thing. So check that out. I did put it on my story though. So check out, check out my thing on my story. Thank you. And yeah, you see, we made it, we made it past hundred. I guess it's 101. Oh shit. Well, congrats to you. Congrats to us. Congrats to us. Congrats to us. To the next hundred. We're real podcasters now, maybe, I guess. I guess. Well, I just got started, but man, I love being on here and I appreciate everyone, everyone listening. The few people that reach out, I'm not going to say like all oh, the people that reach out, the hundreds of you. No, but the ones that do, it, always appreciate it. Love answering questions and you're the reason we do it. So for sure. So we appreciate you guys, Josh. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Josh. And we'll talk to you later. All right. All right. That was a gem. I hope you are armed with more information that will help give you clarity around the supplement world. And of course, really nail down your uh, training, nutrition, your sleep, those things first before we start moving into the supplement world. But once you have that all taken care of, I hope the information uh, in the previous episode is going to be helpful for you so you know what to take and what not to take. So again, I did want to remind you that Josh and I, we both have limited spots available for one-on-one athletes that will be closing by the end of next week. And so if you truly want to improve your endurance ability, you need more time. And the winter is a great time to buckle down so you can build a strong foundation of training. It's not necessarily time to completely rest, but you need to have a plan and a smart plan with accountability from our coaching can really help you get the best start of your season. So if you're interested in that, hit the link in the show notes, shoot us a direct message via Instagram. That's the best way to contact us and we will see if we can be a good fit for you. Great. Talk to you next time.